Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's your favorite curly redhead, Mama D, with another episode of Ripples of Healing. Guys, I have been a little MIA, but I am back. <laughs> God has been proofing me and he has been refining me. Um, and I believe that this process that I'm going through, I have a name for it. And I will tell you what that's going to be in the next episode. It is called Conversations in the Cave. So, I mean, it's deep. I want you guys to hear it because it is where God and I have these conversations. And like most of us, I want to know if I'm in the right place, doing the right thing, and if I am in the will of God as I do it. And I need to know that I am hearing from God about the things that I am looking to do in my ministry and the work for God. Because God owns everything. He is in control of everything. He created everything. He owns everything. And we're just the tenants. You know, and I just am in a place where I really want to know and really want to be in the will of God for my life, in the plan of God for my life, on the journey that God has put before me in my life so I can please him. Amen. So this morning, guys, as usual, I have I usually have a, a question. And so the first thing that I'm going to do is give you my topic. And it is called my alabaster box. Damaged goods. It is unfortunate to say, but most of us in this world are living as damaged goods. And the question is, why are we? Why are we living as damaged goods? When we have a loving father in heaven who wants nothing but to show us his great love, his unconditional, inexhaustible, and unfailing love for us. And he wants to heal our lives. So why are we still living as if we are damaged goods? That is the question. So as usual, guys, we start off every episode with a prayer. So I'm going to start the prayer. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, as I come humbly and boldly to your throne of grace. Lord God, I thank you for your loving kindness. I thank you for your tender mercies. And I thank you for your grace that sustains my life, our life. Father, I thank you for the air that we breathe. I thank you for eyes that sees. I, I thank you for legs and feet that walk, Lord God, arms that work, Lord God. I thank you for it all, Father God, because you are worthy of it all. I thank you, Lord God, that in the beginning, you had in mind to create man. And you created him not out of loneliness, not because you needed something extra in this world. 
or in this universe, but because you loved and you wanted the world to know how much you love them. So you created man. You created him out of love. And because you created him out of love, it is important that we get back to the love of God. Because without God, we don't have love in our life. So let us come back to you, God. Let us let us um, come back to you knowing that the yearning that we have inside of us is something that you put in us to woo us back to you, back to the place, back to the beginning, to the first love. You are our first love, Father. I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you are so good that we live in your goodness, that we live in your love, that we live in your light, Lord God, that we live in your hope. And for those that don't have it, Lord, I pray that you will put someone in their life planting a seed of salvation, deliverance, and restoration. Lord, I thank you that I am a kingdom kid, a kingdom citizen, a daughter of the Most High King, a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am your masterpiece, God, and I thank you for it. I thank you, truly, truly thank you. I thank you for every provision, Lord God, that you have provided. I thank you, Lord God, for our children and our children's children, name by name, one by one, from the youngest to the oldest, God. I ask that you continue to bless all those that are in the listening area, Lord God. I ask that you continue to bless them coming in there going, Lord God. Bless them on their jobs, Lord God. Bless them in their households, Lord God. Bless their finances, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. As we are in a world of uncertainty, Lord God, you are certain, Lord God. You are guaranteed, Lord God, because there is none like you, Father. So you are guaranteed. You are better than any credit card that anyone has because you are guaranteed. Your promises to your children are yes and amen, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, 366 days a year, Father. We can count on it. They're guaranteed. You have never failed. We live in your goodness, Lord. Let us, Father, remember who we are. It says that in your word, Lord God, that if we, when we pray by prayer and supplication, with petition, make our requests known to you. So, Lord, we bring our requests to you, whether it be verbal or silent, Lord God, of all our needs, because you are the great Jehovah Jireh. And you said that you would take care of all our needs according to your riches and glory. Father, we thank you. We're praying. We're believing and we thanking you as if we have already got the victory, God, because only you can bring the victory. We thank you in advance. We thank you for your, we give you all glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah! Yes! I get excited when they talk about my daddy. Excited. A lot of us live with emotional crutches as well as physical crutches because of the trauma we have experienced in our lives and because we have not been taught what good coping skills 
or good coping mechanisms are. Because of all the trauma that I received in my life when I was a child and a young adult, I had a lot of crutches. So as a child, one of my emotional crutches was to protect myself from anyone was that I pretend to be sick all the time. And so me being sick all the time mean that I couldn't get in trouble and I couldn't in, uh, I wouldn't have to endure what was coming. But as a teenager and a young adult, I needed to do something more because the abuse and the trauma became bigger. So I needed to have more than what I had as a child. I outgrew those emotional crutches and I needed something more. So I turned to drugs, alcohol, and sex. These were my emotional and physical crutches to help me deal with the trauma in my life. When you have been passed down from generation to generation, brokenness and trauma, you really don't know how to handle it except to medicate yourself or act out or even sexual, sexually because that's what you saw and that's what you have been taught. So that's what you've been shown. And for me, the results were devastating. I've dealt with a lot of, I've dealt with a lot of broken relationships, friendships, um, baby mama drama, if you want to call it, baby daddy drama. Oh, yes, I, I've dealt with it all. I've dealt with family members dying, close friends dying from drugs and alcohol. I've dealt with a lot of anger and rage and unforgiveness because I couldn't understand why my life was in such turmoil. You know, so I turned to what I knew and that was being in the streets. And I know a lot of you might not know what that means, but in I grew up in Harlem in a poor neighborhood and we used to say, let's go to the streets. That means that we was going to do bad things. So while I was, well, while I was in the streets, I did a lot of bad things, you know, a lot of bad things. And that is a story for another time. It really is a story for another time. But I want to I want to tell you a story out of the Bible. And you can find it in the book of Luke. And the title of the scripture is A Sinful Woman Forgiven. That is the title to the scripture, A Sinful Woman Forgiven. And when I, when I read that, I was like, Lord, that's me. God, that's me. I, 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 I am a sinful woman forgiven. And so this woman, okay, was me, is me. And I'm going to tell you how the story goes. It says that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. Pharisees named Simon. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Now, the Pharisees were um, the, the upper class priests or rabbis, if you want to call it, of the, um, in, the, in the Jewish um, culture. And so when they called you to come 
to eat with them, it was a really big deal. But Jesus was a rabbi as well. So he was in, in, in common um, company, if you want to say. Okay. It says, though, he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the, in the city who was a sinner. So the backdrop to this is that the woman was a prostitute. They said she was a sinner, a city in this woman in the city was a sinner. She was a prostitute. And back in those days, um, she might have been one of the women that we would even say was trafficked. But she was a prostitute. You know, and so when she knew that Jesus was sitting at the table in the Pharisee's house, she came in to the house with her alabaster flask. You know what a flask is, right? You know how, how people put alcohol in a flask. Well, this was a little bit smaller. It had fragrant oil in it. And she kept it with her. So, you know, as she would go with her johns, she would put this fragrant oil more likely on herself so she wouldn't have the stench of the men that she had had sex with. I believe that's the reason why she carried the alabaster flask. So she would not have to remember all that she was doing and all the trauma that she had had in her life. She was a woman that was a sinner and she was an outcast. And she more likely was being trafficked and she was a prostitute. And here she is coming into this Pharisee's house. And, I, and I'm sure they looked at her and would thought to themselves, what in the, well, who, who would bring her in here? Like if they're going to, you know, meet with her later, then meet with her later. But why would they bring, why would she come here? Who is she coming to meet? And she walks over to Jesus. And she stood behind him. And, and, at, and kneeled down to his feet and she began to weep. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair on her head. And if you knew anything about Jewish culture, there were no women in the rooms with the men when they ate and they discussed things. There were no women. No women allowed. Rabbinical culture they were Pharisees. They were priests. They didn't have women in the same room having conversations while they were having conversations. It was, a, it was just not done in Jewish culture. And here's this woman. She comes in a room where there's all these men. And she begins to cry and weep at Jesus' feet. And she began to wash his feet 
with her tears. I could just see this woman so broken, so shunned, feeling so dirty, so remorseful, so lonely, so hurt that all she could do is weep. She couldn't, they didn't say she spoke. You ever get to a place in your life where you don't even have words because the pain is so great, where you just weep and you cry out to God because you don't have words. The pain is so deep. The sadness is so deep. This is how this woman must have felt. This is what I believe. Because all she did was weep. That's all she did. She wept and she cried. And she cried enough to wash his feet. So the, the, the pain that she felt came from the depths of her very soul. The pain that she kept, that she that she kept inside of her came out of her with such a cry that it says she weeped. She was weeping. She was weeping. That's what the scripture says. It didn't say she cried. It says she was weeping because weeping is different. It's from her very soul that she was weeping at the foot of Jesus, looking for mercy, looking for, 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 for sympathy, looking for grace, looking to be forgiven, looking to be loved at the feet of Jesus. This woman wept and she washed his feet with her tears and then wiped with her hair. And then she kissed his feet. And then she anointed them with the oil. The fragrant oil. From the flask that she carried. It says now when the Pharisee Simon. Who had invited Jesus him saw this he spoke to himself so he didn't even have the the he didn't even have you know enough nerve to even speak it he thought it because it says he spoke to himself saying this man if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. And so Jesus being Jesus, he already knew. It says that God knows what we say before we say it. He knows what we think before we think it. So Jesus knew what Simon was thinking. So Jesus answered him. He said, and Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Could you imagine Simon? 
looking around and he, okay, okay. So he said, teacher, say it. So Jesus said, there was a certain creditor. Jesus is a very good storyteller, you know. I love that about my Jesus. He's a very good storyteller. He wants to break it down so we all can get it. So he says, there was a creditor who had debtors. And when they had nothing in which to repay, he freely gave, he, he, he freed them both. So he says to Simon, here's the question. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love the guy more? Like, which one do you think will love the, the guy more? Who freed them of their debt? And Simon said, and Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And then Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged. So he knew. You know, I, I mean, uh, uh, kind of like a, a common sense kind of a answer to a question. But Jesus was making a point. So let me tell you about this loving Jesus. After making that point to Simon, he then turned to the woman and said to Simon, could you imagine? He stopped speaking in Simon's direction. And he turned to the woman, the prostitute, the, the sinner, who Simon clearly thought to himself, what is Jesus doing talking to this prostitute? Does he not know that she is a woman of a night? Does she not? Does he not know if he's a prophet? He, he already knows that she's this woman because everybody knows that she's this woman. Because they lived in a small city, small, everybody knew each other. So they knew what was going on. That's how they knew who she was and what kind of woman she was. You know, but Jesus, so compassionate, so kind, so loving. He turned to this woman. Okay. He said to her, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Simon probably was like, well, Lord, I, I, yeah, why wouldn't I see her? She's like right there in front of you. He said, I entered your house. And you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. He said, you gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. You see how compassionate and loving Jesus is? He told that story to make the comparison. He told that story so Simon and everybody that was in that room with him while they were having that meal 
He told that room, told everyone in that room that story so they could see this woman differently. So they could see that she was a sinner. But because Jesus paid the debt, she was forgiven. Because of her many sins, she was forgiven. Jesus is such a loving and compassionate Lord and Savior. And when he went to the cross and died for us, it's because we had many sins to be forgiven. It was because of his great love. It says in the word of God that love covers a multitude of sins. Jesus' love, God's love for us, covered a multitude of sins because of his great love for this woman. He forgave her, but he also, he also chastised Simon. You know, here I am, you calling me rabbi, you calling me teacher, but there's no reference. There's no respect. You know, I just, I just came off a dusty road and you didn't have water to wash my feet before I sat at the table. You, you didn't even welcome me in your house. You didn't even welcome me in your house. You didn't even walk over to me and, and, and say, hey, Jesus, welcome. Welcome to my house. You know, hey, well, here, here's something to wash your feet with. There was no hug. There was no kiss. There was no anointing going on. No prayer. Like the, uh, uh, There was nothing. Nothing. No reverence. No respect. But you want to ridicule and come after this woman. After all that she did. Yeah. And that's why her sins were forgiven because she loved much. But Simon, but he says also to Simon, but whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Wow. Like boom, drop the mic on Simon. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. Then he said to her, he, okay? And he's still looking at her. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, here we go. Thinking things and not knowing that God already heard. They said, who is this who even forgives sins? Mm. And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus. Like I, I won't even. I won't even allow them. To ridicule you anymore. 
I won't allow them to look at you with disgust. I will not allow them to look at you and, and, and embarrass you and have you in shame in front of them. I will not allow you to be in their presence anymore because I forgave you, because I love you, because I restored you. So you go in peace. Your sins have been forgiven. I don't know about y'all, but every time I hear this story, I become undone. Because here is Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, the son of God who looks at this sinful woman who was a prostitute. And by no means should she have been in that room. According to rabbinical traditions, she should not have been in the room with all those men while they were eating and talking. She was a prostitute. Her head, she had jewelry around her neck. Jewish women didn't walk around with jewelry around their necks. And most Jewish women had their hair up. They were not married. And so her being a prostitute she had her hair down because she had to attract the men. So she not only washes Jesus' feet with her tears, but she dries Jesus' feet with her hair because her hair is down. They didn't say she took it down. They said she just dried his feet with her hair. They said then she took the, the flask of fragrance oil from around her neck and she anointed his feet with it. <sighs> Here's our Jesus, so compassionate and so loving that as she cried and washed his feet with her tears, he did not turn her away. He did not shun her. He did not shoo her. He did not make her feel embarrassed or disgusted as the Pharisee men in the other room did. Instead, he chastised Simon, the Pharisee who invited him to his house for dinner or for a meal, if you want to say, for not being respectful, for not being reverence to him. You invited me, but you didn't make me feel welcome. But here's this woman. Here's this, this woman. This sinful woman. Who sees me. Knows who I am. And she bows down in reverence. And she cries weeping hysterically. Weeping. Because she knew. Have you ever gotten to the point where you just weeped because of something that was going on that was hurting you? Something that you had no control over? Something so great and so devastating that all you could do is weep because the pain is so deep. Well, I felt like her Many times, many times, 
And like her, I wept at the throne of Jesus. I wept for his love and his forgiveness. And just like this woman, he forgave me. And he gave me peace. Because he tells this woman to go in peace. And that's exactly what she did. For the many years that I was in the world, partying, doing drugs, and having promiscuous sex, I never thought that there would be someone somewhere that would be so compassionate and so loving that would love me in spite of how dirty I felt about myself and what I seen. See, guys, in some ways I can relate to this woman because I'm I'm sure there are some of us or maybe even a lot of us that can. When we feel that we have done so much wrong, that it would be hard for God to forgive us of our sins, that's when love steps in. The Bible says, once again, I'll say it, covers a multitude of sin. And I don't know about anybody else, but I had a lot of sin, girl, I needed to cover. And here comes this wonderful Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And he sees me for who I am. And he still loves me no matter how dirty I feel about me and how many sins I have that I believe that I have committed. He still forgives me. And I know this because he dies on the cross for me that my sins will be forgiven. Because at the cross, he says, as he's hanging up there dying, he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Before He died as he was suffering at the cross, hanging with nails in his hand, nails in his wrist, nails in his feet, a pierce in his side, blood dripping down, beaten beyond recognition, 39 times, lashing 39 times, his skin being ripped from his body and still And still he looked up to heaven and said to his father, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is Jesus. This is the loving Jesus. This is the loving Jesus who forgives us on the cross. So now I live a life that replicates who he is in my life. I want to be forgiving and I want to display his unconditional love and I want to display his mercy Everywhere I go. Because I believe that that God created me on purpose for such a time as this. That I would have a life filled with purpose. A life filled with great journeys. A life filled with beautiful plans. And a life filled with great 
possibilities. Hallelujah. So if you are out there and want to know for yourself who this Jesus, my Savior and Lord is, let me tell you where you can read about him in the Bible. But like myself and so many of us, you want to have an encounter with this beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. Because one encounter with him will change your life forever. It will be so great that you will continue to chase after him like a drug of euphoria over and over again just to get that wonderful high. So I invite you to get to know him for yourself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and get to know his love and get to know his compassion and his kindness because it is immeasurable, inexhaustible, unconditional, and unfailing. It is beyond anything we ever experienced in our life. And that's why I love him so much. I mean, I love him so much. I mean, Jesus, because he has changed my life and put me in a ministry of women who love him just as I do, who want all but to just be in his presence all day long. That's what we want. That's what we want. Who pray for me. Who love me. It says in the word of God that the world will know you by the love that you have for one another. Hallelujah. Let us love like Jesus love. Let us look after each other like Jesus looks after us. Let us come to his throne of grace of mercy and obtain mercy not only on our behalf but on the behalf of our family members on the behalf of our community our neighbors our loved ones our nation everyone this world let's let's begin to bring the love of Jesus and the hope of Jesus in this dying world because that's what he wants from us to show that although we may be sinful women and men we still have a savior that loves us no matter what because that's who he is he's never going to change the word of God said he is the same to yesterday, today, and forevermore. So Jesus doesn't change. His faithfulness to us is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. I invite you to get to know my Jesus <laughs> because he is everything that you are looking for in your life. Everything. And he will never disappoint you. Never. So I say to you. Everyone that's in the listening voice. I thank you. I truly, truly thank you.
And I tell you this, no matter what your struggles are, no matter how you feel that you can't find your way out, no matter what you think when it comes to how dirty or how sinful you might be, I'm telling you, there's a Jesus. There's Jesus who's sitting, waiting, who's knocking at the door for you to open it up where he can come in with the Father and dwell with you. That's what it says. They'll come in and have a meal with you. So just as this woman poured out her fragrance of an alabaster box, I get to pour out my worship to the King of King and the Lord of Lords because he deserves all the glory, honor, and praise. Because just like this woman, you don't know the cost of our alabaster boxes. You weren't there. You weren't there. You don't know all that I had to go through and all that I had to fight for. You weren't there. But Jesus, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, look down and made a choice to save all humanity. With a great sacrifice. In obedience to the father. To come down and sacrifice. His life. For ours. The sinner. I am a sinner. Saved by his amazing grace. So you don't know the cost of my alabaster box. Hallelujah. Amen.
know the cost you don't words in there when Jesus found me in the condition that he found me in you don't know the cost of my alabaster box how wonderful how compassionate and loving is our father well ladies and gentlemen that is it for me have a wonderful day in the Lord <laughs>